Well, good morning again. As Gareth said, my name is Matt. I am the, the vicar here, believe it or not. And uh, today, I, I, well, firstly, I want to remind you of the words that we collectively said to Merlin this morning when he was baptized. We said, we are children of the same heavenly Father. We welcome you. We welcome you. And I want to pick on that, that word, heavenly Father. What does it mean when we say that God is our heavenly Father? Because all of us in this room will have a different experience or, 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 or uh, when I say the word father, that conjures up different reactions to you. Some of your experiences might be good or bad. Some might be very present and some might be not present at all. And within this room, there'll be a mixture of experiences of fatherhood. Uh, but what does it mean when we say that God is our heavenly father, perfect and good. So if you wouldn't mind, should we turn uh, to the Bible? And I'm going to spend just a few moments reading this and then pick out a few thoughts before we worship again and pray together. But we're going to turn to Luke 15, and we're going to start at verse 11. It's a very sort of famous story within the, within the church, uh, within, amongst Christians. Um, but if you haven't got a Bible, I think the, the reading is going to come up on the screen as well. But it's known as the parable of the lost son. But I'm going to suggest that another name we might refer to it as is the running father. So Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate which is essentially saying, Father, I wish you were dead so that I could have my inheritance now. So he divided his property between them. And then not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to, the, to a citizen of that country, who sent him in his field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And then he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the word of the Lord, and we say together, thanks be to God. That, that line really gets me, but while he was still a long way off, it says that the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Essentially, the father runs out and welcomes him home. I hope you saw the banner as you came through today that says that. It says, welcome home. It's a hope that we have as a church 
as Bay Church, that you would feel at home, that this would be a place that feels like family. And as you walk in, you get that sense that I've, I've walked into my, my home, my family. I, that's what we want it to feel like, being a part of what's going on here. Because I firmly believe that the church is not an organization that you join, or the church isn't something that you simply attend, but the church is a family that you belong to. And Merlin has been part of the family uh, since he was born, of course. But today, I guess in one sense, was his formal welcome, his formal welcome home. And whatever your story, whatever your background, whatever your situation, whatever your experiences are, you belong here. You can be welcome home just the same. And Jesus tells this story He tells this story because he wants to describe to us what God is like, what God the Father is like, a father that would run out to meet his lost son to welcome him home. But whenever I read this story, I'm always drawn to this question, but why does the father run? Why does he run out to him? Well, I want to pick out two things today, but I want to tell you about my father, who is a runner now. My my dad, who, there there he is, so um, we'll get some photos, I'll explain what that is in a moment. But my my dad, uh, I think he he needed some physio, and uh, for his hip, I can't remember, Uh, good son that I am, I I can't, something was going on, and he he had some physio, and then he was suggested by his physio, why don't you take up running, why don't you do counts to 5k, and why don't you do that? Well, my dad um, got very obsessed with running and still is very, very obsessed with running. And he came down to uh, visit us in Torbay once. And I said, oh, I'll go to the park, local park, run with you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. Um, and anyway, we ran past the park run and he ran it like two minutes faster than I could, my 56-year-old dad. So I thought, well, I'm not having that. So I've got really into running now as well. But my dad, this, is, um, this was this morning. He is running the Brighton Half Marathon. I think we got another one sort of mid, mid-run as of like 25 minutes ago. There's my dad. In the, and I, when he was doing this, we just kept on asking my mom. It's like, why is he running? Why is he, run- why is he so obsessed? He runs like 50 kilometers a week. He just, he's mad. He is mad. He needs, he needs to um, move to Devon and babysit more. That's what I feel like he should do. He's spending too much time running, not enough time driving four hours to babysit for us. That's what I feel. Why is he running? And I have that same question about the father in this story. Why is he running? Well, I I think there are two reasons. Firstly, he's running because he wants to reinstate his son into the family. And secondly, he's running because he wants to save the son from shame. So firstly, reinstates the son into the family. God wants us, he wants you and me, he wants us to experience the joy and the love of being part of his family. That's what God wants. What do we do when we tend to uh, wrong someone or we, we let someone down? Well, we try to desperately make it up to them. Uh, you, I don't know if you, you might go out and buy flowers, you might buy a gift, you might do more and more housework. This is sort of my examples when you upset your spouse, but you know, you can, you can um, translate it. You know, you might go for affection um, or over-the-top encouragement and affirmation. It's natural in those moments to sort of want to earn your way back. When you've wronged someone, when you've let someone down, you really want to work, your, work, work it back into that relationship, back into the friendship. And so we're probably not surprised where this younger son 
his approach was, um, I'm going I'm to have this plan, and I'm going to say these things, and I'm going to become basically one of my father's servants and, and work my way back up. He's basically wanting to say to his father, hey, let me make it up to you. Let me work it out. Let me prove myself. Let me earn that trust and respect again. And I'm sure many of us in the room today might have felt like that with someone in our lives. Maybe you're sitting next to them now uh, to make it awkward. Uh, may, but whatever it is, and perhaps maybe we felt like that towards God, that God is someone who we need to appease or is that is angry towards us, is angry with us. And we need to sort of earn his love and, uh, and work for that love and acceptance. That's what the son's plan is anyway. The fa- how, but how does the father respond? Well, I read it and I'll read it again. While he was still away off, the father ran to his son, filled with compassion, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son, he just about gets the first line that he's rehearsed in, which to be fair is a good line. It's the repentant line where he says sorry and he owns up to his mess. But before he's even able to suggest that he wants to become one of his servants. The father throws a robe over him, gives him a ring, puts some sandals on him, gets the fattened calf and prepares this celebration, prepares this feast. The father doesn't even want to consider his son doing anything other than just being his son again. He's only interested in welcoming his son home, which is a huge statement given all that's happened, all the hurt that the son would have caused his father Yet the father says, welcome home. The father says, welcome home, despite all the pain and perhaps all the shame that you might carry. Welcome home, despite all the fear that you might have experienced in coming back to me. Welcome home. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to um, make it up to me. Welcome home. I don't care what's happened. Just welcome home. And today, I don't know if you're standing or sitting here this morning, and maybe you're full of doubt about God. Well, God wants to say to you, welcome home. Maybe in your life there are a number of uncertainties and and fears, and God says to you, welcome home. You might be here, maybe you feel a little bit broken, in need of healing or restoration. God says, welcome home. You might be here, and perhaps you might feel unworthy. Maybe you're here and you feel a bit out of place. Maybe you feel a bit lost, and God says to you, welcome home. You might be here struggling with something in your life, and God wants to say, welcome home. Welcome home. It's not just words that we've put on a banner at the back there. It's the heart of God the Father to welcome us home. A father who runs to reinstate his son back into the family. That's the first reason he runs. And the second reason he runs is to save the son from shame. Jesus doesn't want to expose our shame. He wants to come and take it away. Shame is real. None of us want to live with shame, but it's something that we all deal with. Whether it's regret or past mistakes or missed opportunities or maybe things that have been said or done, it's a very real thing for us, shame. And just as real as the shame is, is just as real is our then desire to have that shame not be exposed to the people around us. We don't want to be exposed. And sometimes it's easy to think that the things that we're shameful of would then disqualify us from experiencing the love of God, the Father, which is just what this son feels like he's at risk of. 
his shame being exposed. But the father runs. Why does he run? Well, it's interesting because particularly in that day, uh, for an elderly man to run in that culture was extremely unusual and very humiliating. I think it was Aristotle who said that great men never run in public. Um, as I said, I've, I've started running, and, and uh, I'm not a great man by any stretch of the means. Um, but I, as I'm running, I've sort of said this before, but I'm still doing this. Even though I'm aware of it, I run, and without realizing it, my thumbs stick out. So I'm sort of, as I'm running, I'm sort of giving everyone thumbs up, with my hands at least. My face is saying like, oh, I want to die. Like, this is not going well. But as I'm running... Um, Great men never, should never run in public. That's what Aristotle says. But also in the culture, a Jewish son, and here's the context, a Jewish son, if they had wronged their family and, and, and lost their inheritance among the Gentiles, which would have been non-Jewish people, upon, if they ever returned to the community, when they would return, upon that returning, there would be a ceremony that the village would, would do. Uh, it was called the Kazaza Ceremony. And it's, it's, it's a shameful ceremony. The Kazaza ceremony is where the villagers would meet the son at the, at the gate of the community or at the, at the border of the community. And they would have this, uh, this sort of pot. And when the son would come there, they would smash the pot in front of him as a symbol of the, the now the broken relationship. So even though the son returns home, he's not welcome in the village or the community anymore. He's now cut off from his people, and they would just pour shame and shame and shame and shame upon the son. And so why then, it's interesting, why does the father run? Well, it's not because he's thrilled or overjoyed. The word used is he has compassion. So driven by compassion, the father runs because he wants to reach the son before the villagers do. He wants to reach the son before anyone has an opportunity to bring shame and uh, bring um, disruption to the relationship. He's literally running to save him. Instead of subjecting his son to the shame of the Kazaza ceremony, he embraces him. And it's a huge statement because what he's saying to the rest of the village, the rest of the community, is that my son is forgiven and my son can be restored and my son is still part of this community, and my son is welcome home. He forgives him, and he restores him. That's why he runs. And the forgiveness of the father, I've already started, the forgiveness of the father is, is, a, is a very real uh, part of my experience in my journey of faith. I'm just going to take a slight moment, because it always happens when I tell this part of my story. When I was 19, I... Um, I was in a really, really dark place. I'm so, so this, oh gosh. You know, I practiced this so many times, this story. Oh. Um, when I was 19, I was in a really, really dark place. And I, I grew up in church, but I was done with it. And I just, I, I left church angry, cross. I was angry at God. I was angry at myself. I'd sort of hurt a lot of people. I had a lot to be ashamed of in how I treated uh, my girlfriend at the time, my family, or my friends. Um, but during all of that, I felt abandoned and I felt lost. Um, angry at church, angry at God. I felt like a fraud. I felt unworthy of love. I felt uh, hopeless, really hopeless. 
Um, and again, I, th- there's even more details that I'd love to give you, but um, for, for the sake of time this morning, I just want to tell you about one particular moment that turned it around. And I, I was at home in, in, my, in my room, and, uh, and my dad sort of knocked on my door. That running father we saw a moment ago, he, he knocked on my door. He, he, he was walking past my room, and he just felt prompted in his heart to just knock on the door and pop his head around and say something to me. And um, I'll never forget it. He, he knocked on the door, just turned around, having experienced so much of this shame. It was a particularly bad moment as well. And he just said, oh, Matt, I just want you to know, whatever you do and whatever you're going through, there's nothing you can do that would make us love you less or more. And then as a 19-year-old, I said, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> and he closed the door, and I just burst into tears. I just burst into tears, and that was the turning point for me because I realized, well, that's my dad. That's my earthly father. That's my dad who's obsessed with running. Like, that's, um, that, and he's amazing, but he has his flaws as well. But then I thought, well, how much more does my father in heaven say those same things to me? And how much more freeing then is, is my father in heaven's forgiveness for me? My, my father in heaven who offers me forgiveness And through his forgiveness, I am totally free. In that moment, I received validation as a son. My my shame that I was carrying, I just felt like it was lifted. Uh, And and that process of healing and and that process of healing from all that hurt began that night. I think it was then a couple weeks later, I, I went back to church and I felt like I had come home in that moment. The Father runs to save his son from shame, and that's been my experience of God the Father, who doesn't want to heap shame on me for the things that I've done and the things that I've experienced in my life, but he wants to show me love and acceptance and forgiveness. The Father runs to save the son from shame and to reinstate him into the family. And don't forget, this is a story that Jesus is using to describe what his Father is like, who you and I can know today whose love and forgiveness we can experience today. The Father who runs out to us to say, I want to welcome you back into my family. A Father who runs out to us and says, I don't want to expose you of your shame, but I want to take it away. Can we have the Bay Church logo come up? Is that all right? Just that that holding slide. This is the Bay Church logo. Um, We had fun uh, with the guy who sort of designed this. It It was great building up and sort of, the, the orange bit is meant to be the bay. You know, it's the, it's the bay, it's the red sands of Tor Bay. And then there's the water on the side. And in the middle, I don't know, God, something. It's a circle. It looks really nice. But we, we had this logo and we were set on this logo. And then, and you might have already noticed it already, but we, we noticed something quite special about it. And it's that it looks like a bird's eye view of a hug. And naturally, then, we were drawn to this story of the prodigal son returning to the running father. This logo captures everything that I, that, I would, that I want Bay Church to be, that you could come and experience the love of the father and be welcomed home. And it's such a good hug, you can only see the father's head because the son, the daughter, the you in this room today is so loved and hugged that you are fully embraced by God. That's how good the hug is. And that's the love of the Father for us, for you and for me. What, it's the love of the Father that Abby and Jonathan have decided to say today, you know, to the best of 
our ability, and as much as it is possible, we want Merlin to grow up within the family of God and within the love of that kind of a father. Amen. Amen. Would you